Les McEwen here, President and CEO of Predictable Success, and welcome back to the Predictable Success interview series, in which we talk to people who have either achieved predictable success in their own lives and careers or who are helping other people do the same. And today I'm delighted to be speaking with two people who really you could only say that they have done that in such great detail for so many people, and particularly over the last year or so. Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos, and Jen Lim, CEO of Delivering Happiness. Welcome, Tony and Jen. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Absolutely, my pleasure. Uh, what, what I'd like to do in the time that we have together is uh, talk mostly about uh, delivering happiness and how that evolved uh, and, and what your uh, intentions are. I know that you've had a, a recent move around of responsibilities to free you up, Jen, a little bit more to, to concentrate on that. And I'd like to talk mostly about that, but I'd, I'd like to start, first of all, um, just for the uh, one and a half listeners that we have that don't know in intimate detail <laughs> the story of, of you, Tony, and Jan, and Zappos, I'd like to just um, talk a little bit about the background. And if I could start with you first, uh, Tony. <clears throat> of course, you're most famous for mounting an egregious campaign in June 2010 on behalf of your book that foisted my excellent book, Predictable Success, down to number two in Amazon, number five in the Wall Street Journal. But you've done a couple of other things as well as that. Um, uh, and those of us that are, are ancient in internet terms remember uh, the great work that you did seems like a lifetime ago now um, with Link Exchange. But what I'd love to hear from you, Tony, is if, if you were to um, trace the arc of what's got you to what you're trying to achieve now with delivering happiness, if, if you were to think back about what evolved your thinking to what you're trying to deliver to the world now, what would be the two or three big milestones? What has most impacted you personally in wanting to share the concept of delivering happiness? Uh, I guess for me, it's, it was, you know, start with Link Exchange, and, and I've been pretty entrepreneurial um, most of my life, and so I've done everything from garage sales to pizza business, mail order business, and for Link Exchange, that was a company back that was founded, uh, um, my roommate from college and I co-founded in 1996, and we grew that to about 100 or so people, and then ended up selling it to Microsoft in 1998, two and a half years later. And what a lot of people don't know is the real reason why we ended up selling it, and the real reason is because it just ended up not being a fun place to work at anymore, and the company culture went completely downhill. And that was largely our fault. We just didn't know any better to pay attention to company culture. And and so with Zappos, from the beginning, culture has always been important. And uh, you know, with Link Exchange, financially got lucky with the timing. And so I was in the position of trying to figure out what is it that I want to do for myself that I would actually be happy with. And you know, and, and as I started getting involved with Zappos, just started thinking about it more from the perspective of like who are the people I want to work with, you know, and my answer was there are people that I want to, I would want to be around even if we weren't forced to be in business together. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I think led to the focus on culture and not wanting to re repeat the same mistake again that I'd made at my previous company. And then as Zappos started growing, and we as it turned out uh, coincidentally that actually there's been research that has shown that companies with strong cultures actually perform better financially in the long run than their peers. And so uh, whether that was sheer dumb luck or not, it's where we are today uh, that that just happened to to work out. And so now uh, 
part of the reason for writing the book was really to spread this whole idea of happiness as a business model, you know, making customers happy, making employees happy uh, to other companies and organizations and, and industries. So when, when you started Zappos, <clears throat> in a sense, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, Tony, you're a little snake bit with the, with the company morale culture issue um, from an exchange. Did you, uh, did you try to work out what you wanted in Zappos from first principles, or did you go and benchmark what other organizations and people were doing? Uh, no, it was really more from just a selfish perspective, just what would I want for myself? And, right. And then that kind of evolved into, uh, you know, as as it turned out, that, that actually ended up being something that, in the long run, is good for business as well. Right. Because uh, obviously what's happening uh, today is that a lot of people obviously hold Zappos, and, and, and quite rightly, in huge esteem for what you're doing there, and other organizations, obviously, like Netflix. Um, if, if you, as you are right now, talking to uh, two or three thousand uh, CEOs of uh, many of them young organizations, do you recommend that they go out and model best practices for corporate culture or that they that they really try and work out what's right for them? Uh, well, I don't think they're, I, I mean, I, I tend to not, not, uh, not gravitate towards the phrase best practices because mm -hmm. a lot of that sounds very uh, consulting-ish and, and so on. But um, I, I guess our message to people is not so much other companies should adopt the Zappos culture or Zappos values, but that companies should figure out what values are right for them and really commit to them and, and align the entire organization around them. And you know, a lot of companies have these things called core values or guiding principles, but the problem is usually they're very lofty sounding and they kind of read like a press release that the marketing department put out and maybe someone, maybe you learn about it on day one of orientation, but then it just becomes this this meaningless plaque on the lobby wall. And for us, we really encourage companies to come up with committable core values. And by committable, meaning they're willing to hire or fire people based on them, independent of their actual job performance. And when you use that criteria, it's actually a really hard list to come up with. Like, what are you actually willing to hire and fire based on that has nothing to do with their actual job function? And but but when you actually are able to come up with that list that's right for your organization, uh, it actually ends up being a really powerful thing because the entire it, it aligns the organization and and a lot of really good things come out of that. And Jen, when when did you come into the picture? You work with uh, Tony at Link Exchange, or did you start with the Zappos? Uh, no, I actually started at Zappos um, probably I think about seven eight years ago now. Okay. Um, and yeah, as I was freelance, I was a freelance consultant at that time, and and I'm still you know freelancing as um, for Zappos in different projects like the Culture Book and helping them move to Las Vegas from San Francisco and such. So you used phrase, uh, consultant speak phrases like best practices, did you? <laughs> well, coming from that background, uh, I was an internet consultant at KPMG, so unfortunately that was part of that was part of my dictionary. <laughs> but I've since, uh, since moved on from that. So, um, could you convey to me uh, as best you can, Jen? What have you seen that? Uh, what would you say is the biggest change that's happened in Zappos over that period of time? Is it been a question of arriving at something that was 
you know, a one, we, uh, this is what we all think, of course, as we watch the story, is that you will have arrived there at whatever time, and it was small and perfectly formed, and all you've done is make something that was wonderful bigger. You, you have particular challenges that came along with growth and maintaining the culture? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, the way I look at Zappos, I always liken it to, um, like, the best friend's little brother growing up in high school because I've known Tony for 11 years now. And uh, when I first met him, you know, Zappos was just starting. And so over the years, I've just seen it grow in ways that I didn't imagine. And all of a sudden, you know, here we are, and I look at the, you know, the younger brother that grew to someone that I, you know, all hardly recognizable in ways that I'm really proud of. So um, there are always uh, challenges along the way, and what I thought was most, um, I guess, respectable of how Zappos was grown and built was that it always took risks. I mean, they were very calculated risks, but right. risks based on things that were most meaningful and not about, you know, pure profit, but it was about uh, watching the growth of a thought they could do things differently in a way that was true to um, more of the values. And, and core values came up not at the beginning of the company, but probably around, I guess, six, seven years ago, once uh, right around the time the culture book was born. Hmm. And it was never really, you know, no one really tried doing these kind of things, but it just seemed to make sense from, from a business and a personal level. So I think uh, by seeing those things, uh, you know, those risks taken, but it, it really panned out in the end because, you know, everyone sort of thought that Zappos was an overnight success, but really it took many, many years of committing to those core values and committing to the customer service and, and culture to get to the point where it is today. And I think that's uh, what, you know, Tony largely talks about in his book, that it wasn't an overnight success. There was tons of risks and failures to get to the point where they are today, but it was always based on things that, most meaningful at the time. Okay. And um, Tony, did you ever feel that, that there was a possibility that you were going to lose it, that the culture was getting away from you during that period of high growth? Uh, during, during Zappos' high growth, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think it was something that we always paid attention to, and especially during the first several years, uh, both myself and Fred, who's been with Zappos as long as I have, we actually personally interviewed everyone for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. And the core values actually originally came out as a way to really scale the the culture because then there, it got to the point where Fred and I couldn't interview everyone personally. And right. so we really made, were forced to figure out on paper along with the rest of the company. It was a, a company-wide process to come up with our core values and, and really put on paper what we uh, kind of a formalized definition of our culture. Okay. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to, uh, just the last question before we move on to delivering happiness, um, I, I, I'd love to um, have you think forward, which I'm quite sure you have done. At the point when Zappos, when, when you are not around for whatever reason with Zappos, Tony, um, do you accept that, that at that point the culture should change, or is your view that the culture already is something that's independent of you, uh, or, or do you <laughs> not care? You won't be there. I mean, what's what's your view of how a culture should evolve? Once I, I know you weren't technically just the single founder, but you're essentially seen in that way. What's your view about how a business should change once the founder is not there? 
Well, the, I think the culture should always be evolving, and it is for us. And so for us, it's really we expect our core values will always be the same, but how that manifests itself I think will definitely evolve over time. And you know, I think culture in general is not built actually from the top down. I think it can be killed very easily from the top down, but it needs to happen organically and be driven from the bottom up. And so regardless of whether uh, I'm still with the company 10 years from now or not, uh, I think it's always going to be evolving. And uh, really what's most important, I think, for a CEO and any CEO is to make sure you don't create an environment that will kind of kill that organic growth and evolution. So uh, two questions about delivering happiness. In a moment or two, John, I'd, I'd just love to talk to you. I know you've moved into the role of CEO there and ask you about your vision and what you'd love to see achieved in the next couple of years. But uh, before we do that, just to segue in, Tony, did you plan that delivering happiness would uh, become, an, uh, become a movement, so to speak, when you were writing the book? Was your goal that it should be the foundation for this to happen? Or have you been surprised that that has happened? How, uh, how did this look to you um, last year when you were launching the book? Uh, well, originally it was thought of more as just a book to help spread this idea to uh, other companies, and uh, and so didn't necessarily think of it would actually be a separate company in and of itself. Mm. And so the first there was the book was published, and then we went on a, a three and a half month cross country uh, book tour in a bus. There were about ten of us on the bus. And then I think it was really through that whole process that uh, the thought came to really develop it into a real sustainable company. And Jen can talk a bit more about that. And Jen, when did you move over into the CEO role? Um, I guess it would be towards the end of the the bus tour because it first you know started as a book, as you know, and so we worked on that around 2009 Labor Day. A few weeks later, we turned it in, and then you know, the whole pre-launch of the book started, and then once the book launched, it was mostly focused around you know, the promotion and, and marketing efforts behind it. And then it was really interesting to see the, the reaction to it, um, knowing that it was mostly marketed as a business book. Uh, so it was sort of expected that we'd get such positive feedback from entrepreneurs and business owners uh, and then, you know, seeing how we rose on the New York Times list and, you know, bestsellers, that was, that was all very gratifying. But what was unexpected was we got a lot of emails and personal stories from people outside of the business sector, uh, for example, from hospitals and students and uh, families even saying that they want to apply <clears throat> these core values <clears throat> excuse me, and culture to, to what they're doing in their everyday lives. So, that was really unforeseen and, and kind of took us by surprise in a good way. And so when we started doing the bus tour, that's what we had in mind. It was not just visiting with companies, which was part of it, and, and talking to entrepreneurs, but the other half of the tour was the time that we had on the, on the road was dedicated to actually talking to the people that we heard from. So we visited schools and we, we visited hospitals and uh, nonprofits to hear their feedback on, on what, you know, what we believed as uh, part of spreading our message. So through that process, uh, like Tony said, we didn't really expect the company to be born out of it, but it just really grew organically in terms of the, the community that 
that uh, was tapping into this message. And as the book was translated into more languages, I think we're at 17 or, or so uh, different languages and countries now, we get, we've been getting more and more feedback from around the world. And that sort of really cemented what we were thinking was a universal chord being strung. But then after hearing from all the global feedback, then we knew there was something um, out there that people, no matter where they're from, the country of origin, the culture, religious or non-religious, it was just this one idea of, yes, I can actually see how I can apply these frameworks of happiness or uh, happiness as a business model to what I'm doing to my everyday life. So that's why the decision was made to take it from, you know, first the book, then the bus tour, and now, now officially we're calling it the Delivering Happiness Movement, but essentially a company with a cause to support the movement. Right. Uh, did you, uh, uh, on a personal level, have to uh, hesitate at all in thinking about taking the role, or you, did you just think, oh, this is wonderful, I'll jump into it, or you missed the, uh, you know, the Zappo side of it? What, uh, how has it impacted you personally? Um, personally, it's been an amazing journey. I, I would have to say I've never worked more in my life from a day-to-day <laughs> basis, but uh, knowing that what we're doing from a, from a greater goal and a higher purpose is you know, every moment is so meaningful. So I, I, something yeah, I wake up in the morning, and my one goal in life is to deliver happiness to the world. So I, I mean, that's pretty amazing thing. But um, I still really have close ties with Zappos. I mean, I still, I still will be producing a culture book, and there's a lot of ties within that. So as part of our uh, venture into, you know, bringing in sustainable revenue streams, so we can uh, support the company delivering happiness. Part of it will be. Uh, helping companies and organizations create their own culture books. So really, it's, it's all pretty intertwined. So what, what will success look like for you three, four years from now? Um, I always laugh at those questions because, um, you know, we have our vision and we have what we want to do. But, you know, if you asked me a year ago if I would be the CEO, Chief Happiness Officer, Jewelry Happiness, I would have said, what are you talking about? So. For me, uh, I think uh, as long as we you know, stick to our purpose and our values as a company, I I would be really happy to. to I mean, I, I think I would just be happy to see it grow towards that. And in a nutshell, for me, it's really growing the community and the connectedness of relationships between the communities. So it's not the number of people that we have in it, but the number of meaningful interactions between the people that really believe in and happiness wow. and the framework for life. Super. Will there be a second book? Will there be another book? Um, yeah, well, we're actually talking about it right now. Tony and I were, were thinking about the next one. But um, in the interim, there was a comic book company uh, called Roundtable, and they are developing comic books from business books. So they're, uh, we just are about to sign a contract with them to develop a comic book based on delivering happiness. and. And the idea there is that just because of all the feedback we got, there are different, I guess, segments that are really interested in this topic, whether it's, uh, you know, business readers that like it in the comic version or uh, kids in, in high school or college or families. So we're just realizing that there's different ways that we can sort of um, massage the, the content and delivering happiness in, uh, so that different audiences will be, you know, better able to, to read and receive it. Will you promise me that you won't launch it in January 2012? Uh, that's exactly the date where we're going to do whatever you're 
hung out. <laughs> I want to straight run this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I before I talk, I, I checked on Amazon on uh, on a bunch of books, and I saw that you, your book in Delivering Happiness is coupled That's in right. uh, their little package. <laughs> I take that as a as a great compliment. Uh, Tony, just in closing, um, as I said earlier, we're two to three thousand CEOs likely to listen to this um, as it goes out and as a as a podcast. And you know, um, I don't want to sound in any way uh, naive or fawning about this, but the reality is that for most of us, the opportunity to talk to someone who's achieved what you have uh, is is I mean, absolutely, literally a once in a lifetime experience. And, what I'd love to to have you share um, with our folks is what's the biggest misunderstanding they may have as founder owners and CEOs about the difference between going out in the coal face every day the way they are and achieving the sort of huge mega success that you have. But you know, what do you find people misunderstand or assume that isn't right about what got you where you are? Um, I guess, uh, I, I mean, I guess part of it, I, I would actually back up and ask them to really think about what their definition of success is because I, I think a lot of people just, and we're kind of programmed by society, is just the definition of success is bigger numbers or, you know, uh, whether it's revenue or how much a company gets bought for or so on. When... Really, if you actually break it down, and uh, I talk a little bit about this in my book, you know, what's kind of the point of doing all that? And if you keep asking yourself why over and over again about you know, whatever you think your goal is in life, uh, why is that your goal? And then whatever answer you give, ask yourself again why that is that. And then if you, what I found is if you actually ask, and and I'll ask other people why enough times. Uh, eventually, almost everyone winds up with the same answer, and whatever their goal in life is, or the reason why they want more uh, money or status or anything else, is because they believe that ultimately it will make them happier. Wow. And so, you know, there's so many people in life that are not that happy doing their day-to-day, whatever their day-to-day activities are. And really, uh, one of the messages from the book is to just try to frame what you're thinking in the context of that kind of ultimate goal of happiness. And that may change some of the decisions that you make about how you want to run your company or what you want to do. And for example, especially for founders, you know, rather than focus on something that will make you a lot of money, uh, instead, I encourage them to think about what you would be so passionate about doing that you'd be happy doing it for 10 years, even if you never made any money. And that's what you should actually be doing. And the irony in that is if you actually do that, it will actually greatly increase your chances of making more money because your passion is what's going to get you through the tough times. And every business has its ups and downs. And that passion is going to rub off onto employees and then have this ripple effect on customers and your business partners and so on, which all greatly increase the chances of your company doing well financially. So uh, I really encourage people to just make sure that they're doing stuff that makes them happy, that they're passionate about, rather than doing something you know, in the name with money as your primary motivator. Thank you, Tony. Great advice. Uh, Jen, last word for you. Uh, if any of our folks that are listening uh, are thinking, you know, I really would like to get help uh, bringing 
the delivering happiness mindset into my organization? Um, how can they contact you? Or are you actively helping organizations now, or is that something for the future? Yeah. Um, well, we're just we, I mean, we just announced the uh, you know the transition to the company at South by Southwest a few weeks ago, and one of that being you know the consulting arm of it. And so we've already had uh, several companies just from that uh, week weekend alone come to us and say, "How can we start?" So basically, just send me an email. We're doing it you know, pretty much from a, a pilot basis, and since we're just launching things out, but. I uh, would love to hear uh, yeah, from anyone that's interested in, in, in doing what basically Zappos did in, in their organizations and in, uh, helping apply that to wherever they work. So my, my email is jen, J-E-N-N, at deliveringhappiness.com. And they can see more details at that uh, URL, deliveringhappiness.com. Uh, okay. appreciate Jen Lim. Thank you so very, very much for giving us your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.